The history of Russia is full of, to put it one way, really random and unpredictable trends. The history of religion in Russia is no exception. For most of their early history, the Kievan Rus, generally considered the predecessors to the Russian people, practiced a collection of pagan faiths. In the year 987, Grand Prince Vladimir the Great converted the Kievan Rus to Orthodox Christianity, declaring it the state religion of his kingdom. Interestingly, it is widely believed that Vladimir did this solely due to the lack of dietary restrictions imposed by orthodoxy as opposed to other faiths, such as Islam's prohibition of pork and alcohol and Catholicism's prohibition of meat on Fridays. As the Kievan Rus evolved into the Tsardom of Russia and later the Russian Empire, the Russian Orthodox Church became one of the most important institutions within Russian society. Then, the Soviet Union was established in 1922. In line with Soviet communism's complete rejection of religion, a massive crackdown on religious clergy ensued. However, as World War II broke out, the Soviet government realized that it could utilize religion as a tool to promote nationalist fervor. For the rest of Joseph Stalin's regime, the USSR would allow and even encourage Russian Orthodox services under the condition that these services also promote Soviet patriotism. Under Nikita Khrushchev and Leonid Brezhnev, however, religion was suppressed once again. But in the 1980s, when Mikhail Gorbachev oversaw the USSR's liberalization, restrictions on religion were eased once again. Today, roughly 40% of Russians adhere to Christianity, with the vast majority belonging to the Russian Orthodox Church and smaller numbers practicing Catholicism and Protestantism. Almost 7% of Russians practice Islam, with most Muslims being from ethnic groups such as Chechens, Ingush, and Bakshirs. Much smaller numbers of pagans, Buddhists, Hindus, Jews, and other religious groups can be found in Russia, and in spite of their size, Judaism and Buddhism are often included with Orthodox Christianity and Islam as Russia's four traditional religions. Finally, around 44% of Russians are either atheist, irreligious, or, quote, believers but not adherents of any particular religion. Religious persecution in Russia has made a resurgence under Vladimir Putin. Similarly to both the Russian Empire and the Soviet Union, Putin has realized that he can use religion as an asset to ensure political loyalty to the state. Russian Orthodox Patriarch Kirill stated in 2012 that Putin's rule is, quote, a miracle from God. Kirill has also emerged as one of the most prominent supporters of the war in Ukraine, stating, among other things, that the perpetrators of the Bukha massacre were acting under the will of God and that Ukraine has been doomed by God for allowing pride parades. Groups outside of the traditional religions frequently face discrimination in Russia, with so-called religious extremist groups, such as Jehovah's Witnesses, being outright banned. Even religions considered traditional are often disadvantaged. 
Russian counterterrorism laws frequently target Muslims, and in recent years, racial profiling of predominantly Muslim ethnic groups, particularly Chechens, by police, has skyrocketed. One trend that has continued since time immemorial is fierce anti-Semitism in Russia, with Jewish organizations and religious figures facing targeted harassment on numerous occasions. Another religious group with a long history of persecution in Russia is the Old Believers, a breakaway sect within the Russian Orthodox Church. In 2016, the Krasnodar Orthodox Slavic Church, a major Old Believer denomination, was dissolved by a Russian court ruling. The history of persecution of Old Believers goes far beyond the Putin regime. On the contrary, this discrimination has existed for centuries. In the 1930s, anti-Old Believer violence forced one family to flee from civilization as we know it for over 40 years. I'm going to tell you all about them right now on Historia Obscura. Welcome to Historia Obscura. This is the 75th episode of this podcast, and I hope you enjoy it. Special thank you to Patreon subscribers Barbara, Lisa Chase, and Tom. If you want to receive a shout-out in every episode, among other benefits, help support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash Historia Obscura and becoming a patron. One more thing, make sure to stick around for a little to hear a message about the sponsor of this episode of Historia Obscura, Anchor. If you want to make your own podcast, you'll want to know everything about how to use Anchor. The Old Believer denomination came about between 1652 and 1666 during the reforms of Tsar Alexis. Similarly to the modernization of Russia that his son Peter the Great would later undertake, Tsar Alexis and Patriarch Nikon oversaw several reforms to the Russian Orthodox Church that were meant to make it more similar to the Greek Orthodox Church. The reforms themselves were laughably insignificant. They included adding an extra letter to the Russian spelling of Jesus, using three fingers to perform the sign of the cross instead of two fingers, and adding the word true before Lord the giver of life in the Nicene Creed. And yet, these minuscule changes would spur a major schism within the Russian Orthodox Church. Those who continued to practice the old traditions of the church became known as old believers. Almost immediately after the formation of their sect, the Old Believers faced persecution at the hands of the Russian Empire. Under Peter the Great, this just meant an extra tax for Old Believers who chose to wear long beards. Under Nicholas I, this meant torture and execution. A couple of years before the fall of the Russian Empire, Nicholas II issued a decree granting religious freedom to all faiths, including Old Believers. Then, the Soviet Union was formed. And when organized religion was put on the Soviet Union's hit list, so, by extension, were the Old Believers. In 1936, Stalin launched a bloody persecution campaign against Old Believers, and dire circumstances soon caused one family to read the writing on the wall and get out of Dodge.
one day in 1936, a Soviet police patrol shot and killed an old believer named Evdokim Lykov in the Bolshesnovsky district of Permkrai. Lykov's brother Karp witnessed the murder and fled the scene. Karp Lykov quickly returned to his home and retrieved his wife Akulina, seven-year-old son Savin, and two-year-old daughter Natalia. The four fled to a small shelter in the wilderness of Paramkrai, which they shared with several other Old Believer families. While living in this shack, Akulina gave birth to two more children. Son Dimitri was born in 1940, while daughter Agafia was born in 1944. In 1945, however, Soviet police kicked down the door of the small home, looking for fugitive criminals. Though the Lykovs were able to convince the patrol that they were not dissidents, Karp Lykov decided that this was too close a call, and so the Lykov family set off on their own once again. With their four children in tow, the Lykovs trekked over 1,000 miles to the remote Siberian Republic of Kakassia. After reaching an uninhabited riverbed on top of an isolated mountain, they proceeded to build an even smaller shack to live in. The Lykovs began a new life entirely off the grid, in an area with an average January low temperature of negative 22 degrees Fahrenheit, with nothing more than an Old Believer Bible and a single cooking pot. To subsist, the family set up their own farm on a hillside with a 45 degree incline, where they grew potatoes and barley. As Savine and Dimitri got older, the two Lykov sons also attempted to trap animals. However, the family lacked guns or bows, and therefore had to resort to either digging traps or chasing animals through the wilderness until they collapsed from exhaustion. Dimitri in particular would reportedly hunt barefoot in the winter and spend several days at a time hunting for animals before returning home with an elk over his shoulders. In June of 1961, the Lykov family's crops were wiped out when it unexpectedly snowed. The only surviving crop was a single sprout of barley, which Karp Lykov was tasked with guarding from squirrels and mice until the next planting season. After their scarce food supply ran out, the family had to resort to eating tree bark and even the leather from their shoes. Akulina, wanting her husband and children to stay well-fed, allowed them to eat her portions of food. After not eating for over a month, Akulina died at the age of 61. Her death would not be in vain, however. The barley sprout her husband had preserved produced 18 more sprouts, allowing the family to eat once again. The five surviving Lykovs lived to see another day, or rather, many more days. In the summer of 1978, a Soviet helicopter carrying out a geological survey flew over a farming plot in the middle of nowhere. The helicopter landed to investigate the area, and the crew was shocked to discover the Lykov family home. Inside the house were 77-year-old Karp, 51-year-old Savin, 44-year-old Natalia, 38-year-old Dimitri, and 34-year-old Agafya. On June 15th, 1978, 42 years after they first fled their home, the Lykov family encountered other human beings. 
At first, the family was alarmed by the crew, believing that the anti-religious patrols had finally caught up to them. But after four decades, these crackdowns on the old believers were long gone. Instead of facing renewed persecution, the Lykovs were instead turned into a media sensation. The children were initially believed to be mentally handicapped as they babbled and cooed like young children instead of speaking, but scientists soon realized that they had developed their own way of speaking from only speaking to each other for their entire lives. Even after being discovered, the Lykovs still refused to leave the home they had lived at for decades, and so humanitarian organizations began delivering food and supplies to the family and provided heating to their home. In 1981, three of the Lykov children, Savin, Natalia, and Dimitri, all died within weeks of each other. Although their deaths were first believed to have been from unfamiliar diseases introduced to them after they were discovered, each of them were found to have experienced kidney failure, likely from their inability to digest rich foods they had never eaten prior to their discovery. In 1988, Karp Lykov, the father of the family, died from natural causes at the age of 87. This left Agafia, the youngest daughter, as the only surviving member of the family. Since being discovered, Agafia Likova has only left her family's remote settlement six times. In the 1980s, the Soviet government paid for her to tour the USSR, after which she immediately returned to the wilderness, saying that the air outside of the taiga made her sick and that she was frightened by cars and trains. She has also been airlifted to Russian hospitals on several occasions after experiencing chronic pain. Agafya, now 78, still lives in the tiny shack in the woods that her family fled to many years ago. As for other old believers in the USSR, many fled to countries like the US, which still has old believer hubs in towns like Woodburn, Oregon, Nikolaevsk, Alaska, and Millville, New Jersey. Of course, it is almost certain that none of these old believers have had as fascinating and crazy a life as that of Agafya Likova. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Historia Obscura. It was certainly fascinating for me to learn about. If you want to suggest an episode of Historia Obscura, send me a voice message at anchor.fm slash historiaobscura slash message. Feel free to leave your name and location, and if I like your idea, I'll make an episode of it and give you credit. Additionally, if you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash Historia Obscura and become a patron. And of course, I can't go without once again thanking this episode's sponsor, Anchor. They are by far the easiest way to make a podcast, so if you want to make your own, go to anchor.fm. With that said, this is Jack from Historia Obscura, signing off, but not for long. <laughs>